0: Hello, welcome to the Pinkham Podcast. My name is Connor Southwell and uh, I've been catching up with another former Norwich City player and this one has ventured into management uh, more recently, actually, um, but has also had coaching spells and that is uh, the Admiral Michael Nelson, uh, of course, the defender who scored the uh, the goal that sent Norwich City back to the Championship after that League One season. Um, it was a, a header at the Valley, I think, if, if you recall. He's now currently managing Blythe Spartans, although he's only managed one game, um, which was a defeat prior to uh, the coronavirus outbreak uh, suspending all domestic football in this country he was very good very interesting about that season perhaps why the the club had the success it's it did the sort of atmosphere, culture installed by Paul Lambert. Maybe um, dispels some myths about Paul Lambert as well, which is interesting. Um, and there's also a, a degree of honesty that I think perhaps you you don't often get from from footballers. Maybe not honesty, maybe that's the wrong word. But in terms of being forthright with their actions and why they did certain things, I think that, that's what you get from from Michael in this episode. Uh, another really nice guy, um, and uh, yeah, well, we hope to see him do some some great things in management once this is all all over but here you go this is my full uh, conversation with michael nelson if, if you do like remember to uh, leave a review subscribe to us uh, on your various uh, podcast platforms and uh, yeah we hope you enjoy and we hope you all keep him well you're currently managing aren't you but you've, you've only had one game is that right so you're in kind of yeah. a difficult situation
1: yeah I just had the the one game and sort of three training sessions with the with the team um and then obviously all this happened, so um, it has been a bit of a bit of a whirlwind really. Um, it's quite enjoyable, um, you know, getting to see obviously the different side of it and, and things like that, and starting to prepare. Um, but then obviously this this coronavirus came about, and um, it's just been a bit of a waiting game now.
0: Yeah, certainly has because you, you've done some coaching at other clubs, haven't you? Uh, Stevenage more, most recently, but obviously Gateshead as well. Is is management something that you've wanted to go in really? Uh, well, I, I suppose the question is when when did you realise if if you do because obviously you've you've got it what to the end of the season, haven't you? I think. Um, yeah. Is is management something that you've always wanted to to go into? Yeah,
1: I've always I've always thought about going into into the coaching side of it. Just sort of done me done me coaching badges and. Um, started doing the under-23s at Barnet while I was still playing down there. Mm. Um, and then obviously did a little bit of gated as well alongside playing and then went down to Stevenage. Um, so it, it's always something I I've, I've knew was, I was wanting to do um, when I stopped playing. Um, and it just sort of came about out of the blue, really. Um, so like I said, it's, everything's just a little bit up in the air now. So we're just willing to see what, what comes of it, really.
0: Yeah, you guys are in the in the same league as, as King's Lynn, aren't you? So you're, you're kind of playing a waiting game at the moment.
1: Yeah, we are. Um, just sort of waiting on the National League and sort of suspended it indefinitely um, during the meeting that we had last week, um, which has sort of bought them a bit, a bit more time to to come to a decision on, on how they're going to conclude the season or if any more football will get played. Um, so, like I say, until they actually come out and make a decision everyone everyone's just waiting around really and see what see what
0: happens yeah it's a strange time right let's uh, let's get to your your Norwich days then because you, you signed from Hartlepool in, in that summer after they they got relegated uh, what what was that like when, when you learnt of, of Norwich's interest because am I right in saying there was a few championship clubs interested at the time
1: yeah I went to Sporta it, um, it was Nigel Atkins at um, Scunthorpe. I went up there and had a chat with them, looked around the place, um, spoke to one or two other clubs as well, um, and then the uh, the Norwich one just sort of ticked all the boxes and, and seemed to move quite quick once the the interest started. So it was it was a it was a, a natural um, choice for me, I think.
0: Mm, and, and what sort of club were you walking into? Because it was one that had just been relegated. It was at what well, its lowest point it had been in for. For a while, did you get that sense when you walked into the club that perhaps it was—I uh, don't know—that it was suffering a little bit? I guess.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. From sort of people who had been there for for any period of time, and obviously the fans as well. You could sense that from the the fans in the stand, and when you've seen people around the, the city. But um there was quite a big turnover in players that summer, I think. Um, so a lot of the fresh faces coming in were sort of pretty excited at the prospects of coming in and, and what was possible. Um, so it was a bit of a mixed mixed feeling of obviously the club having a little bit of a hangover from the relegation, but also fresh faces coming in and being excited about the, the possibilities that we thought could happen.
0: Yeah, I spoke to uh, Jens Bertolaski the other day, who, who was obviously involved in, in that squad, and he said that he perhaps came into a squad that was a little bit Unfit, I think, to, to use his term. Is is that how how you read it coming into the squad? It was a little bit probably downbeat and maybe not prepared in the way that it should have been.
1: Yeah, I don't think the um, I, the season that we had. I think I was expecting it to be really tough. Um, sort of being the the standard of the club, what it what it is. Um, but I didn't f- I didn't feel like. Um, it was any different to what I'd done previously. Um, I was expecting it to be a, to be a step up and having to be right on me my fitness regime to make sure I was sort of keeping up with the, the lads who um, were still there from the previous season. Um, but I think we probably we probably could have worked harder um, in preseason. Um, but I think um, ultimately, once the season got going, and we, we did start working harder and training harder, I think we we reaped the benefits really.
0: Yeah, it was an interesting pre-season because although we just said all that, I think you 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 guys did go unbeaten, so it was kind of a contrast, wasn't it? Really, in terms of perhaps results to your preparation.
1: Yeah, um, and I think that sometimes can can obviously keep um, over the cracks maybe or, or mask. Um, What's went on? Um, you know, I've been in clubs where we've had really poor pre seasons and went on and had really successful um, seasons, and you know, other seasons we've we've um, breezed through pre season and then found it really tough once the seasons kicked in. So um, I think the main season about main thing about pre-season is just obviously getting your fitness and making sure everybody's up to speed and ready to go, but also being able to get in the fundamentals and the, the playing style and philosophies that the, the manager wants.
0: Yeah, and I think that all, that all culminated, didn't it, the, the first day of the season, which was your debut, I believe, at that, that Colchester-United game, which I'm sure you won't thank me for mentioning, but obviously it's, it stands out in the memory because of perhaps how, how poor it was. What, what was it like that day to, to be a player on the pitch?
1: It was just one of them days where you just felt that like every everything was going against us. Just, just felt like we couldn't turn the tide and couldn't. Nothing I was doing personally, um, I couldn't feel like I could get myself any sort of change in what was happening. And sometimes you can be going through, you have a bad spell in a game, and you can, you can do something or simplify your game and sort of turn the tide, and you know. Maybe consolidate for for ten or fifteen minutes, and then you gradually start getting back in the game. And that just didn't feel like it, it was happening individually or collectively as a team. Um, and I think that that showed really in the in the result.
0: Did you wonder what you'd walked into to some extent?
1: No, I think it was just I think it was just one of them freak things. Um, you know, you go out and you get beat like that, you. I think you come off You come off after the game, and you, you don't think, oh, it's going to happen again next week. You know, it's just one of them, one of them freak things, and you just got to, you know, as quick as you can lose like that, you can go and win like that. It's been in football long enough at that time to know that, not to get too too carried away with, with um, one result, mm. uh, and it was. You know, it ended
0: up turning out like that yeah, what what was it like working under Brian Gunn? He was he was obviously well, he's obviously a club legend, did m- unbelievable things as a player, obviously stepped into the club when when they needed the most. You're obviously a, a new manager, you've been coaching for for a little while. What what was it like working under him? Was his inexperience perhaps I suppose did it cost him in the end?
1: I think it probably did. Um but I think it probably cost him through that result I think if that if an experienced manager had got that result then maybe he would have been afforded a little bit more time Mm -hmm. Um, but probably because of the result and the fact that he was inexperienced maybe the owners and the people making the decisions thought it was just too much um, all at once but if it was a a more experienced manager I mean you've seen some of the results you look at the you know, Southampton got absolutely bad. Bad, didn't everyone? Thought he was going to get sacked. And he turned it around and went on an unbelievable run. Um, so maybe he's being a new and experienced manager and having that result. Um, probably them two things together did probably cost him in the end. But um, our pre season was, like I say, you know, everyone's mentioned it. We probably could have been fitter, but um, we were getting the results. We were. Um, we had a good, a good feel about the lads, a good good bonding, and and the group were were quite close, and everyone was was doing really well. Um, but once the the season started, and you get that first result, um, you know it's a it's an uphill battle from there, um, and ultimately it cost cost Brian his
0: job. Did you? I've, I've spoken to a few players who who were involved in that dressing room, and and a few have said they almost felt sort of guilty for for the role they played. I guess in equally that defeat but but also because as you say it it only cost him his job and everyone knows Gunny to be such a nice guy Uh, are you in that camp Uh, I suppose you as a player always feel probably partly responsible when a manager leaves the club anyway
1: yeah definitely you have to whether you've you've played a hundred games or or one game you know you've played a part in in somebody losing their job and you always think what more could I have done to to make sure he didn't lose his job, um, so you always have that that bit of guilt and that bit of regret that you, you maybe haven't done enough and what could you have done more to to help him out, um, and yeah, you, you know you you'll always have that. If you don't, then there's something wrong.
0: And then obviously you, you suddenly see the guy that. That perhaps mastermind of the seven-one walk in. What what was it like when when Paul Lambert came in? What in, sort of impact did he have on that squad? What did he change? I suppose to, to get you guys going in the right direction.
1: Um, he just had a presence about him from the from the day he walked in. He just you um, just you knew when he walked in the room. Really, there was just a a bit of a bit of a change in the atmosphere when he came in. Um, not like a dictatorship or anything like that, but it was just when he was there, you you knew you had to be on your guard and um, on the training pitch. If if he came out onto the training pitch and was started to give instructions during the sessions, then you know you had to, you had to stand up and, and take notice and make sure you did it how he wanted it. Otherwise, um, there'd be consequences. And I think that that was a big factor in in. Um, how we went along the discipline and which he instilled in us as a as a group and a, a team
0: i've I've heard a few players describe it as as an aura what he had he he sort of walked yeah. in and, and and commanded respect how i mean you're obviously now a manager yourself. How difficult is it to to create that as as a manager to to have that attribute i suppose
1: yeah well you you're not gonna you're never going to get everyone you're always going to have you're always going to have some people who just just aren't into it. They just don't they might just not like you. Um, you know, a little thing with when a manager leaves a club, you like you'll have some who have that guilt, feel that guilt for, for him losing his job. You'll have some who are absolutely delighted that he's been sacked. Um, you'll have some who probably not too fussed one way or the other because they'll just go about the business anyway, regardless of who's in the job. So you can never please anyone, um as a manager. Um So, you've just got to try and make sure that you, you figure out what players need what, um, and try and do everything you can to keep as many on board and, um, playing the way you want to play. He was, he was pretty upfront the day he came in, said, if you have got a certain way of doing things, um, you'll learn over the next few days, weeks, how I do things, and if, um, if they're too difficult for you or you don't like them, come and knock on my door and um, we'll organise something to, to get you out of the club. Mm. So he was pretty pretty upfront and honest. If you, if you didn't do it his way, um, then you're probably better off moving on.
0: You, you mentioned earlier on that you were perhaps expecting a, a step up when, when you joined Norwich. Is that what he brought in? Did he bring in that step up? And, and perhaps standards, I suppose is the word, isn't it? Did he Did he bring in a need for everyone to sort of raise the standards?
1: yeah um from from the first day, there was a new finds list um just little things like that, just the the discipline in and around the training ground, which led onto to the pitch as well. um The new finds list got handed out to everyone um the training was intense um a lot of fitness work running um up until i think we went right into december we worked really like if we had no we didn't have a midweek game tuesday tuesday sessions were almost a like a pre-season session so you were really you were literally in in pieces after after the tuesday session um it was a real real tough session because we knew we had the wednesday off he would he would work us really hard and then um we sort of got into december and him and cully had a word with us and said look We've worked really hard up until now. Um, it's going to be a busy period over Christmas and then it's going to probably dovetail off a little bit after that because you've got your fitness up to where we, we think you should be um, and then it's going to be a case of maintaining you. Um, and that's what it was. It was real, real hard work up until probably December time, I think. Um, and I think... Um, going into the Christmas period I think if we'd have won at Walsall and the game got called off we would have been top of the league um, so it was it was really tough and and organised as well Very he knew what he wanted he, he got us to do what he wanted um, we had a certain way of playing and um, it worked
0: Mm. I mean, I mean, you mentioned um, Cully there, who's obviously now at Kings Lynn, so he's a managerial yep. rival in in your league. What what was the dynamic like with those two? Because I, I think there's a a few fans, and, and this conspiracy theory might have began because of obviously where Paul Lambert is now, but who uh, a port of putting the success down to Colvhouse and and perhaps his ability to coach rather, and and then arguing that perhaps Paul Lambert was a bit more of a an old school manager I guess didn't really do too much on the training field but what he did in terms of discipline was was really vital
1: yeah no it was a good blend Um, Cully would do what a lot of coaches and assistants do what I've seen throughout my career Cully would take a a large part of um, the sessions so he would take um, sort of all the you know the possession and the, the passing drills and stuff like that he would take a large A large section of it the the gaffer would come out and he'd be he'd be there all the time and he'd be watching and have an input um and if the tempo wasn't right then he'd step in and his voice would be raised and um everyone would up the level um we generally did shape and set pieces on a thursday so we generally got to know the team on a on a thursday um and then friday was quite a bright day um but all the, the sort of tactical stuff and setting us up and how he wanted us to play going through the team shape and everything like that was the gaffer was the gaffer led that all the time um, so it was very much very much him in in charge in terms of that that sense what we were doing on the pitch and how he wanted us to go into the games um, he was he definitely took the lead on that side of it and um, sort of other days and other sessions, um, Cully took the lead on them. and um, they were a really good blend. Um, on match days as well, on the on the sideline, I thought they they were really good. Um the gaffer knew what he wanted and Cully was was brilliant at the side of him seeing things that were going on in the game and, and maybe suggesting things to the to the gaffer and the bouncer really and well off each other. So yeah it was, a, it was a really good blend.
0: I I suppose you, you probably could have preempted my next question in, in terms of Paul Lambert now now being at Ipswich, are you surprised that he opted to take that move, given his character, I suppose? And and equally, are you surprised at how his career has, has developed, I guess? I, I don't think there was too many people after that season that you guys had in League One that would probably say 10 years later he'd, he'd be back there. Yeah, no, he's... Um,
1: you know, I think it's, it's hard for managers out there. shelf lifes on, great. Um, for the majority of managers. Um, so he's... Um, you know, I think there's probably a a lot of people would be um, would have been surprised that he he ended up at Ipswich, um, but sometimes there's just there's not the there's never really the the right job. Sometimes there's just the, you know, you've got to you've got to take what's available at times, and, and sometimes um, that's what that's what you need to do. He's he loves the game. He wants to be involved in in football and um, like i say shelf life like managers aren't great and i've noticed myself when i've sort of applied for coaching roles and, and stuff like that every time a job comes up there's you're talking hundreds of applicants for for one position um and the the cvs and the the reputations of some of the the people who are applying for jobs are, are ridiculous so um to be a to be a manager in a a football league club, um, regardless of whether it's Premier League or League Two is a a bit of a privileged position.
0: Mm. Yeah. Have have you taken anything from his management style and and put it into your own?
1: Um, just, just little bits and pieces and and just how he you take bits and pieces from, from every manager you work under as a player. Um, you take the bad as well as the good. Mm -hmm. So, um, sometimes it's not necessarily, um, taking on board something that a manager did um, which you want to do and copy sometimes it's taking on board something that a manager did what you thought was way off the mark and wrong so I've took good and bad from from every manager I've I've worked under Um, the gaffer you know he's very good with his I thought anyway very good with his management he was he didn't not to me or any of the lads I spoke to anyway he never he never sugar coated anything or, or made any excuses for whether he was leaving you out of the team. He was upfront and honest, told you the reasons why, um, and you just had to deal with it and get on with it. Um, so I think that that honesty, what he had, um, I think that's what players want. They don't want to be given an excuse or a, a get out for why why you're being left out the team. You just, you just want to be told to your face, upfront and honest, that, you know, I'm going this way because this is this is the way I'm I'm going to go. Um, so that that honesty from him, um, some of his training sessions as well, and his manner and, and how he did training sessions and stuff like that. So yeah, I took took quite a bit from him. Um, but, but I know we sort of trying to model myself on him or, or anyone else. Um, he just sort of become a a bit of a a mix and match of. Um, managers you've worked under and also your style coming through as well.
0: Yeah, I suppose you do, absolutely. And in terms of your role in, in that Norwich team, how would you describe it, I guess? What what was your job? How did you go about it? How did you approach it?
1: Um, I think once I got into the team under under um, the gaffer, I sort of I got in, I, I managed to, to stay in there and um, I, I was pretty much regarded as a bit of a, a bit of an old school center of um i think he referred to me a couple of times as the heating machine because i just used to just used to stick my head on on anything um whether it was in the air or even if i was falling down and i was trying to tackle my head at times um so yeah i think i was just a bit of an old-fashioned stopper um and just a you know a bit of a character around the place as well we had a really good bunch um some unbelievable characters in the dressing room. I think that's one of the main. For all the talent and all the quality we had on the pitch, um, the the togetherness of the squad and every day was a every day was a, a right laugh at the training ground with different characters. Um, just being the, the crazy selves around the training ground, and I think that was a a, a real big part of it. Um, so yeah, I would probably just say just a bit of a, a tried-and-tested um, battler, really, who just um, got on with the job and hopefully pulled one or two people around me um, along for the ride as well.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'd be some supporters that, that would disagree with that. And in, in terms of, and you, you describe yourself as perhaps a, a bit old-fashioned, but I don't know, that overhead kicker against Hartlepool, that was that was pretty impressive, even for a centre-back.
1: No, that was uh, that was definitely an enjoyable moment. Um, obviously, that was my first first um, start under the the new manager at the time Um, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of joy came out of that when um, when I scored and uh, obviously we we managed to get the win and you know you go into the game and you you sort of getting that first start under a new manager you just want to go out and do well and hope the team wins and make sure you do your job Um, and hopefully that'll lead to you staying in the team and, and having a good run and um, you know, unfortunately it it did and um, we ended up finishing the season very strongly as well.
0: What What's the key, I suppose, when, when you have a winning run like that? Because they say losing becomes a habit sometimes, but when you're constantly winning games and, and you go on these long runs, what's it like as a player in, in that situation? Because I don't think that gets mentioned too often, really.
1: You just feel... I mean, well, we did at the time. and Obviously, I can't speak for anyone else, but myself, I just... Every game we went into, I'm always nervous going into games and always have that, them slight nerves. And it's not, it's not really nerves of the opposition or anything like that. It's nerves of sort of not performing how I want to or how I know I can perform. So, you know, if that was to happen, I would let my teammates down, let the fans down, and things like that. That was what the, the nerves were for. I was never really nervous of coming up against another team. Um, I always sort of relished going up against the, the teams who were who were playing well and, and really sort of pushing us um, or even if, in cup games you come up against a, a Premier League side or, or someone like that not really getting nervous about the opposition but just nervous about not performing to the best of your abilities but um, I just think at the time we were just we just felt I, I just felt that as a team we were just so good Um and I just felt we were going into game going into games almost a goal up because teams were teams must have been scared of us. Um Chris Martin, Grant Halton, Les Houlihan as almost the front three. Um I think it we just put the fear of God into some teams before we even kicked the ball. Um and I think when we like you say winning losing becomes a habit. I think that season I don't think we ever lost back to back. Um I think every time we got beat the manager would that's one of the things I, I learned from him as well he, he would absolutely he well he, he could absolutely go through everyone in the dressing room after a game and tell them that we weren't good enough and, and really really have a go at us um, and then he would say right you two are doing the press and he'd name two of the lads who were doing the press and he'd say nothing negative he'd say all you say is positive it's a day off uh, it's an off day, sorry. Um and and that would be it. And then you'd see him and he'd go out and he'd do a he'd do his press and he'd he back the lads in the press, you see it was an off day, we had too many players who weren't at it, but we'll we'll be better next week and we never lost back to back. I can remember saying that to my wife once when he was at Aston Villa and we were having a really, really poor spell. I said watching match of the day? I said, You watch, he'll come out and he'll mm-hmm. he'll say can't fault the effort of the lads. And you know he's been in there tearing a strip off them because they've have just been beat three or four nil and they've they haven't really performed. But he comes out when he backs them publicly in the press, and I think that goes a long way with um, the players when you don't get sort of hung out to dry by a manager. Um, if he's backing you and trying to do his all for you, then you know you try and repair that and do your all for him next time you go on the pitch. And I think that was a. That was a big thing. I think we had a a lot of trust in each other. He trusted the players, and the players trusted him back in in return.
0: Yes, it's an interesting point you make. That I think if a lot of Norwich fans probably watched his um, press, perhaps after after an Ipswich defeat, it's it's probably not too dissimilar to to what it was when he was at Norwich, really, in terms of if if if, yeah. if they'd lost the game. And, and that's interesting, I suppose, in terms of managerial approaches and protecting players I, I guess as you mentioned there is, is important have, have you found that now because we're, we're kind of in a and people speak about it a lot a new generation aren't we of players where perhaps they do need perhaps a, an arm around them a bit more than perhaps being hung out to dry
1: yeah you can't you can't do what you when, when I was 16, 17, 18 doing my apprenticeship um, you can't speak to players like that now like we got spoken to um, it just you'd have the the PFA and and everyone you'd be sacked for for bullying and and stuff like that. And I'm not saying we were, you know, we never got bullied when we were were doing our apprenticeships and stuff like that. It was, it's just how it was back then. Um, And it probably made me have such a successful career and and sort of develop as quickly as I I did in terms of... um, Getting into men's football and playing that men's football um, now you've got to you've got to be a little bit more different with how you approach to your approach to players at sort of half-time or at the end of the game you know you got to be careful what you what you're saying to to certain ones but that's another thing in terms of the man management you've got to you've got to figure out who needs what some will re- respond better to a, a, a a loud voice and shouting at them and some won't. Some you'll have to coax through and some you have to, to have a pop at to, to get a reaction out of them. I was very much, a, um, I'd always react better if I got a bit of a, a shout to and a, and a telling off and told directly what I was doing wrong rather than someone putting their arm around me. But that was probably just the way I was brought up um, in the early stages of my me, me football, but now it's probably gone the other way where it's more of the the arm around the shoulder and telling people how good they are, rather than um, having a pop at them. But there's still still a need for for both sides of it, depending on who you're dealing with and which player. Um, but it is starting to turn towards the 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 arm around the shoulder type hairstyle.
0: Yeah, I suppose that's an interesting point because I suppose you almost played for. I mean, you mentioned your your apprenticeship days there. I suppose and obviously you. Uh, still playing, but you've he, he, almost gone through two generations of football, I guess, and, and two different approaches. It, has it been difficult to almost move with the times, I suppose, if if you're a player that perhaps responds to, uh, I don't know, that that constant sort of being told where, where you're going wrong, that constructive criticism rather than the arm around the shoulder? Is that, Has it been difficult to move along with that, I guess?
1: It's frustrating at times to, um, well, it has been frustrating at times to see some of the... Um the young talented players who um, don't want to do the work Um, they're very talented and and they've got the ability but they just don't want to they don't want to do the ugly side of it Um, you know the the tracking back the putting your body on the line and and stuff like that and it's frustrating um, because when you you try and tell them and you know you tell them three or four times and it doesn't sink in and then you try having a, a go at them to to try and be a little bit more forceful with it and you don't take that in because i think you they think you're sort of being too nasty with them um so it, it can be frustrating at times but um it's only been a select few that, that that's happened to i think now with the way certain managers have got their teams playing um, you know you look at Liverpool for one um, they, I think the the younger boys a couple of years ago the young talent boys who, are, who I was sort of coaching or, or training alongside just thought if they were a, a bit of a, a number 10 or a, a winger or something like that they just had to do the the work with the ball and not without it where now you've got Liverpool where they've got Firmino, Salah, Mane um, chasing back to their own byline, making tackles and, and, you know, the work rate of that Liverpool team. Um, I think it's, it's sort of changed the the mentality of some of these younger players now. They know they, if they want to be at the top or, you know, if them sort of players are their idols, then they have to do the, the horrible, ugly side of the game as well as the, the nice stuff when they've got the ball.
0: Yeah, I suppose hard working is is the trait, isn't it? And and that's certainly something that 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 Norwich side that you were involved with did possess. It was very hard working, and um, as as I mentioned earlier, I spoke to, to Jens, and and he he effectively said as a defender, his job was was to head the ball to to Wes uh, Grant, Holt, and and Chris Martin, and, and let them do the rest effectively. And hard work was was a massive trait of of that side, I think. Certainly from my memory, at least. I, I don't know if you if you see it that way.
1: Yeah. Um... The gaffer always used to say for for the the um sort of midfielder, the, the deep line midfielder in the um in the diamond what we played, um he just used to say fetch and carry. So he just used to say get the ball. When you get it back, if if the two if our two centre halves headed down and you get the ball back, just give it to give it to Wes or give it to give it to one of the attacking minded players. Um and that's how we used it. Um sort of water carriers and then the artists so you had the you had the labourers um and then you had the the bricklayers um and I think we at the two centre backs and the the deep line midfielder were a little bit of um we were a little bit of the labourers we did the we did the hard ugly work and then we just give it to the boys to go and go and lay lay the bricks so um that was very much a uh, mentality of it. Everybody had to do the work, even even you, luxury players, your wears. Um Gaffer was very much on him to to make sure he'd done the work, and and he did that. Um, for all he was only little, he, he got about and he didn't put the tackle in. So, um, but yeah, it was a it was a very hard working um, squad. Not just the team, but the all the boys. I think you could see that when whenever we had any injuries or suspensions or when the the gaffer needed to make a change in the game and he brought someone on, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, the, the lads who came in um slotted in no problem and, and had a real impact on the game.
0: I I'm, I'm just thinking in, in terms of what perhaps supporters think about when when they think about Michael Nelson, it's it's probably that goal at Charlton, isn't it? Where where does that rank in, in terms of I don't know, moments in your career I guess, because that must have been a real special moment to, to score a goal and obviously the magnitude of it in a game like that as well
1: yeah it was um it was a just an unbelievable game really um from start to finish um the the goal itself obviously it's right up there with you know the the, the top top moments in me in my career um you know for the fans, even though sort of the lads who were playing in that game probably weren't there the last time. Um, it was a bit of redemption, I think, for to actually go to to the valley and get promoted there. Um, you know the the support we got, not just on that day, but every time we went away um, that season. The, the amount of fans we took was ridiculous. I think, I think I remember going to Southend on a Tuesday night and we filled the stand behind the goal and. Halfway down the side Of the pitch as well It was It was ridiculous um, So it was a It was a Brilliant um, Day like I said From from start to finish and, To hang on and, and see the game out And, and know that When that final so whistle went We we were promoted It was just a, a Massive Massive relief um, And you could I think you could just Sense it on everyone um, You've got to give Big Fraser Forster A mention for that game As well He was he was outstanding
0: um, in keeping the keeping the clean sheet for us during that game, yeah, he was outstanding all season wasn 't he um in in terms of the supporters and, and you touched upon it there in terms of the togetherness that was built it, it was it was quite an interesting example because it wasn 't just the sport, it kind of felt like the fans were involved as well and and that togetherness was sort of woven throughout the club I guess and everyone was on that journey as one that's quite special isn't it there's not too many times in football that you can create something like that
1: no it was it was unbelievable um, obviously every time you went out in the city um, obviously with me we were living down there and my family was still up in the north so I spent a of time so I some of the other boys in the city after training you know go for a coffee and stuff like that you've seen people and people just wanted to wanted to talk to you and and wish you luck, and, and we'll talk about the the recent game and what a good result it was, and stuff like that. And it's just a, a massive, massive buzz around the place, which um, you could obviously sense they were they were so happy for after the, the previous season. Um, and like I say, that you'd look in the in the paper on on weekends, and the you know twenty five and a half thousand fans at home games, you know it was rather our average gate was better than sort of four or five Premier League clubs, I think, um, throughout the course of the season. Um, so it was, it was unbelievable. And then again, you know, people spending the money to, to travel hundreds of miles to, to watch us play, um, at all ends of the country. And, you know, to be able to reward them with such a good season, um, which ultimately got us promoted was, was fantastic. Um, and then to sort of followed up the, the season after, um, you know, the two unbelievable um, seasons for the fans.
0: Absolutely. Do you, do you? I'm guessing you. You probably still get called the Admiral wherever you go. Is is that a nickname that stuck?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, it has stuck. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, every time I get a, <laughs> a mention from a from a Norwich fan on Twitter or something like that, I speak to uh, Chris on um, Radio Norfolk. I always get the. The Admiral, as me my, my name, so it's a it's a nice one to to have, um, and uh, yes, uh, quite enjoyed it when I when I got named that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's special, I, I guess, as a player when, when you get an affectionate name like that. Um, the, the championship season was an interesting one for you because you obviously you played in the first game, didn't you? And what was what was how how do you sum up that season? I guess from from a personal perspective, because you, you obviously left the club in on deadline day in January, didn't you, to to join Scunthorpe, and then you had to play them. Um, and probably the the less said about that game, the better. But what was that season like for you? How how, how do you remember it?
1: Um, again, had another good pre-season in terms of fitness wise. I felt good. Um, wasn't sure which way the gaffer was going to go um, going into the season. And signed a got a couple of, had a you know a couple of good centre halves who who came in and um, wasn't sure whether I'd be be in the team or not. But um, with uh, Big Holtley being injured I actually captained the, the team In the first game against Watford um, And managed to score as well But unfortunately we got beat um, and I started the first four games And then unfortunately ruptured me, um, a ligament in my ankle Against um, Swansea at home um, So I had a, about probably about 10 or 11 weeks out um, With that um, So I came back Got fit Managed to bring it back into the team leading up to Christmas and, and played a few games. Um and then sort of lost me lost me um place in the team. Sort of just into January. I think the, the last game I played, I think, was might have been the second of January, I think, the way at Middlesbrough. Um and then I think I was came out of the team and a couple of clubs came in to try. Them. Um the manager was up front and on us and, and told me who they were and that they came in wanting to take us on loan but he, he wasn't prepared to let me go out on loan um, which I was I was happy with you know he, he, he didn't have to tell me um, and then sort of it progressed one of the teams was Scunthorpe um, and then it progressed and they actually put a bid in um, and the manager said that the club had accepted it um, but it was totally up to me if I didn't want to go um, I could stay and um, but the, the sort of terms and the length of contract Scunthorpe were offering was um, you know far far more in terms of um, the length of the contract that sort of I had at Norwich or Norwich could have given me at that time um, so I went up to speak to them um, and the manager sort of rang I remember getting up I didn't get up to Scunthorpe so after 10 o'clock at night on deadline day um, the manager rang me just as I was pulling in the car park and he said, look, is everything sorted? Are you are you all right? Are you happy? Um, and I said, yeah, look. I said, I'm just pulling up now. I need to like, quickly do a medical and stuff. Says, said, but terms are agreed and everything. Um, and he said, look, he said, what are, the, what are they giving you? He, like, not in, he said, I don't want to know money, but what are they giving you lengthwise? So I told him. And he said, look, that's, like, there's no way we could commit to, to that at the minute. Um, he said, but go ahead and do your medical. Um, he said, if anything feels not right or you get a change, change of heart so you just get back in the car drive back down um, and you would be on the bench tomorrow at Portsmouth um, and nothing, nothing will change so that was another um, another sort of moment um, from the manager which sort of took him up in the estimations as well um, just the fact that you know as soon as I left Norwich and he told me that that had been accepted. That could have been it. Really, there could have been no more contact. But he was, he was still calling me on the on deadline day, saying, you know, if it, if it's not, if it doesn't go well, and you you're not happy, then just come back. So, um, so yeah, it was a bit of a strange season in terms of um, how well Norwich were doing, and a bit of frustration with the injury that I had. That was the longest spell I'd, I'd had out football with an injury. Um, but ultimately,
0: it was it was too good of a a deal to turn down. Going to Scunthorpe and, and being two hours close at home as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose in in hindsight, which is which is easy to adopt anyway, isn't it? Do you look at it with a, a tinge of regret, given what what Norwich went on to achieve, playing Premier League football, and maybe if you hadn't have got that injury, and again, again, that's so easy to say, isn't it? But maybe it, it could have been different, and and you could have found yourself in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, look, I, people have asked us, do you regret leaving Norwich when you did and, and, and going to Scunthorpe? And I was saying, no, I don't. Um, at the end of the day, I was, I was in my 30s. Um, I had five months five month left on my contract and Scunthorpe were offering me two and a half years with an extra years option. So, yeah, Norwich got to the Premier League, but at the time I left, I wasn't in the team at Norwich. Um, if Norwich got to the Premier League, and I'd only played a handful of games, what's the, you know, what are the chances of Norwich turning around and giving me a deal at the end of that season? Um, so, you know, you gam, the money we earned at that, at that level, and what I've earned through my career has not been, um, life changing in terms of what Premier League players earn. So I was effectively gambling five months money um, against two and a half years worth of money Mm. so um, and for all you know people have always asked me about the you know not about the money and stuff like that but it is about the money Um, I've got a house mortgage wife and two kids Um, yes I love playing football Um, I always have Um, I didn't get into football for the money but um ultimately that's why i do it it's my job i I go and i play i've went and i've played football every day of my life to to earn enough money to put a a roof over my head and and support my family same as any mum does whether it goes and works in in nissan or you know goes and works in a factory or or somewhere else I'm, i'm no different um so that was it, really. Um, it was too too long of a contract, too much security of a contract to turn down. So um, I think if I was sat here not taking that contract and had got to, you know, finish that season at Norwich, but then not had a contract, I mean, scrambling around for a club, I think I probably would have regretted that more.
0: Yeah, yeah, com- completely understandable. I want to ask you a, a little bit about. Norwich now I don't know you're obviously a very busy man now with, with management and stuff I, I don't know how sort of close quarters you've, you've watched them this year but what, what have you made of them in the Premier League because they, they've tried to take it a, in a little bit of a different direction haven't they with, with the young players and perhaps trying to sign players from, from different markets and, and different parts of the world what what have you made of that
1: yeah they've um, I think they sort of surprised a few early on did quite well and were playing really well Um getting a lot of praise for the way they were playing and the style they were playing. Um it was the Liverpool game they they really had a right a right go and played some really nice stuff. Um it's always gonna be difficult for, for the clubs that you know, people seem like yo yoing up and down and they're always hovering around the relegation and then, you know, possibly getting promoted a season or two later. Um it's really hard to to try and establish yourself as a as a Premier League club um, but I think you know the managers like you said he's he's tried to buy from um, one or two different markets tried to change a little bit of the direction um, in terms of the signings and like you say bringing the the youth aspect of it in and hopefully that will serve them well you know further down the line but um, they look like they were you know struggling up until the the coronavirus hit and no one knows what's going to happen now in terms of will the season finish and if they don't get to play any more football how will it finish so everything's a little bit up in the air Um, but I think he's he's had a great affinity with the the fans since he went in there the manager Um, so we'll we'll just have to see what what happens over the the coming weeks when the the Premier League um, make a decision as to, to what's going to happen.